Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Russell Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Russell Ramble Podcast. I bet you have missed that intro. My name is Ollie Davis, and I'm joined by my less tanned co host. It's Luke Owen. Hello, Swaft Nation, and a hello to you, Oliver Davis. How are you after your Byron Saxon exile? It was just amazed. Like, you know, it was it was really fun to go out there and search for the true identity of Byron Saxton. Uh, but what what a shocking reveal. I know. It's bloody Pachiti. Adam Pachiti of Cultaholic fame. Does, do the pod Swafters know what the hell we're talking about? I doubt it. So over on the YouTube channel, you might know Wrestle Talk as a YouTube channel, as well as a premium podcast, which uh, delivers consistently okay audio quality. Mm-hmm. So I'm just a bit distracted by Luke weirdly shuffling. I, I felt like room. I well, I was sat right behind our recording equipment, yeah. and I couldn't really see you. So I thought I would just move to the side, so we've got a better eye line of each other. I preferred it because one of your eyes was covered by the red recording light. <laughs> So you kind of look like Terminator. Mm. Sorry, carry on. So yeah, Byron Saxton, uh, El Fagador sent me off on this quest to find out who the true identity of Byron Saxton was. That took me out of action for five days, seven if you include the weekend. And I returned yesterday to find out that it was Adam Pacitti from Cultaholic, formerly from Name Redacted. He, he was under the Byron Saxton mask and he said he's coming for Wrestle Talk. It's It's... It's quite something. I mean, I don't want to put words in people's mouths like Chris Jericho said. People are calling it a five-star match. Uh, but a lot of people said it was better than Avengers Infinity War. Uh, some people did. I mean, I got a message from King Ross. No, I actually can't call him that anymore. From uh, Ross Twiddell from Cultaholic, who said he was going to kill me. He sent me a, Has he? He sent me a gif of Michael Scott from The Office saying, I will kill you. I and, this is the first I've heard of it. And Pachiti uh, sent me a tweet yesterday saying, we're just getting started. So, I mean, they're, oh, already, wow. they're already engaging. Yeah, that's my problem with the Twitter. <laughs> Don't really pay attention to it. No. But if I guess it, if it's a multi-platform storyline... You need to get, in board, get on board, mate. Get a hashtag going. Mm. Well, I'm sticking true to kayfabe in that I 
my my on-screen character does not care about Twitter either. <laughs> Is that an, a trait you've given your on-screen character? Yeah. Yeah. For ease. Sake. For ease sake. But yeah, had had a lovely had a lovely time on the where, quest. Where did you end up on your quest? Well, the quest took me many places, as you would see in the video series that run throughout the Rest Talk News episodes last week. But also to the Amalfi Coast in Italy. Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was really nice. Yeah. Really nice. So my big takeaway from Italy, or well, two takeaways. One, Pizza. un, uno, mm-hmm. I think. I didn't really learn many words because everyone very kindly spoke English. Uh, is yet yeah, one, that the food is incredible. I think I've given Italian food a bad rap recently because I kind of gave up pasta about five years ago and all the joys of, of that uh, and just pizza. So I thought, oh, pizza's pizza, isn't it? I, it's my favourite food, personally, but that's all Italian food is. Incorrect. <laughs> it's also gnocchi. <laughs> gnocchi and wine and Prosecco and Aperol spritzes. Of course. Of you're course, in the, the home of Aperol. Absolutely. So you're now... In, oh, you said Tiramisu. You said this to me yesterday when you and I went to the gym, because we go to the gym hip now. Uh, that you got really into Nucky. Like my wife loves Nucky, but I don't get the hype behind it. Oh, you need to get hyped. Do I? Yeah, you need to become the Mojo Rawley of potato-based. I don't know what else is in it. It's just like balls. I I, I love potatoes, but Nucky is just like it's potato. Great. Well, not not always. Pumpkin Nucky's really nice. Even so, but it's like you know, pumpkin's nice. But like I'm eating pumpkin. I'm not eating Nucky. I'm eating pumpkin. Well, no, Nucky is like. The thing. You can have various forms of the thing. So you are eating But it gnocchi. just tastes of the thing, though. Like, yeah, but it's like a like new pota- way of eating. You could just say all all pasta tastes like pasta, which it does. They've got different <laughs> shapes. I was going to say, like... They've got potato, fun different potato shapes. Potato gnocchi just tastes of potato. Pachito gnocchi? <laughs> Pachito gnocchi. Get that man's name out of this podcast. I, I don't get the hype behind gnocchi. I bet pachiti is a form of Italian bread. <laughs> Did you not have any pachitos while you were out there? <laughs> no, no. No. No, I wanted to avoid anything resembling pachitos. <laughs> uh, the... No, I just, I just ate loads and loads of pasta. Pizza was like the snack meal. I just had loads of food. So the other takeaway is I don't, I can't read Italian's mood. Like just mm-hmm. people from or like native Italians' mood, I just always think they're angry. Interesting, but they're not. Yeah. Mm. Like that, I would see two Italians have what I would see as a full-blown row, really arguing, shouting at each other, and then they end with "ciao ciao," and then you just walk away like everything's fine. It's just, yeah, I couldn't. Everyone looks like they're angry with each other, but actually they're so comfortable. They can just yell at each other, it seems. It's amazing when you go to uh, a place that is that you're not used to. So you go to a new country and explore a new land. And you kind of just get a, a certain feel of what people are like in that area. Like when I went to New York a few years ago, I my takeaway I have from that, aside from the fact that loads of Ghostbusters locations, which you can do within a walking distance, takes you two days, but you can do it all walking, um, is that everyone who lives in New York loves living in new york like if you live in new york it is the best and you are super cool because you live in new york but if you work in new york then you hate new york like you just and every person i encountered who worked in new york was miserable as sin 
and not nice and not friendly and just plain awful. You mean like like shop front staff, yeah, people in exactly. delis. Yeah, exactly. Everyone was just miserable. But when they're not working, they're lovely. Maybe. Maybe that's the case. Because I spoke to someone, a friend of mine who lives in New York, and he's just like, this is the coolest place on earth. Mm. I love living here. But if you spoke to that deli woman, she'd be like, it's five bucks, give it me now. So it's interesting. Customer service is different. But on, on a tip-based economy, I, uh, yes. peculiar. Uh, did you get up to anything else while you were out there? Uh, mostly re- relax, apart from, of course, the Byron looking Saxton. for Byron Saxton. Did you do any mostly reading? Mostly relaxing. Uh, yeah, well, I foolishly thought, well, now's the time I'm going to read Stephen King. And Stephen King doesn't seem to have a book that's under 1,300 pages. <laughs> so I've been working my way through The Stand, which is extraordinary. Uh, but yeah, after about, I don't know, 20 hours of reading to only be 59% of the way through, <laughs> I d- I'm, I'm getting a little bit frustrated. I'm, I'm enjoying the ride. And even, re- like, apparently he released The Stand and when it first came out in the 80s, maybe... And the publisher said, yeah, we're not going to make any money if we put it out in this form. So either you can take out 400 pages or we're going to take it out anyway. So it's like, okay, I'll take out the 400 pages. And I've got the 10 years later, because it did so well, they released the director's cut version. And he does a whole bit at the start about how this is, you know, it's not just about the points you hit. It's about the journey and the flourishes. So that's why I've added in these 400 pages. And now this is the definitive version. And I'm reading through it. I'm loving it all. But I'm really thinking, do you want, Do you need all these bits? Yeah, did you need to have all of this in do there? You know, I mean, like, even the 900-page version. I reckon I could have cut out 200 pages <laughs> and made it a better book. <laughs> I like I like two-hour pay-per-views. This is like the... This is like the seven-hour WrestleMania, mm. I understand. But it is very good. It's almost too much. Oh, but I went to Pompeii. Oh, how was Pompeii? Pompeii is awesome. And if any hipster numpties tell you Pompeii's not that great, you want to head over to Herculaneum down the road. They are hipster numpties. Because it's not as good. Pompeii is incredible. It is so big. It's like a full-on town. I just I couldn't comprehend how large it was. And we only saw about... A fifth of it. Does it make you intrigued to watch the Paul W.S. Anderson movie, Pompeii? I feel like I got most of the action genre feel just by walking around. Oh, wow. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. I just love that they've got shops. You could like you could walk down the high street and some of them have signs and little adverts for bits. Wow. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, but I suppose the big question is, how was travelling with a Switch? Yeah, well, it was great for the terrifying flight over there because it quite it absorbs my attention. But uh, not... you, you're a nervous flyer. Uh, I never think I am, but then I go really weird. Mm. So it's not like a a traditional expression of fear, but it probably is fear <laughs> yeah. because I just I I can't explain it. I get like really disorientated and kind of. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not nervous or anything, but I just can't. Like, everything's too overwhelming. And I just want to sit in a corner and just be like, just be quiet. Mm-hmm. And that's how I am, like, in the three hours before the flight and on the flight. But I realized I hadn't flown for about two years. Mm. So that could be why, because on the way back, I was fine. Yeah. But, yeah. sorry, I interrupted. But the switch, ones. yeah, was out of battery pretty fast. Oh. So, uh... So that's another purchase. Then you need to get, like, one of those little uh, charging stations that you mm. can carry on with you. Mm-hmm. Mm. But should we get on with the main show rather than me just lollying about about Saxton quests? 
So, uh, Brock Lesnar, he, of course, turned up at UFC 226 on Saturday night, and he was pro-wrestling style called into the ring by Daniel Cormier, DC, who won uh, two championships, didn't it? like heavyweight and the heavyweight or something, cruiserweight belt, European title as well, and he called out Brock for a fight down the line. And Brock shoved him. It was awesome. It was like a really good professional wrestling angle, but in the UFC. And we all kind of thought, oh, okay, maybe this is part of WWE's storyline to turn everyone against Brock. Because that's what they've been telling on TV, right? Roman Reigns turns up for work all the time, but Brock doesn't care about you, the fans, or wrestling, this thing that you love. He's, he's a mercenary. He's gone off to MMA. So you've got that playing out in real life. So what does WWE do? They don't capitalise it and they don't mention it at all on last night's episode, which is crazy because UFC 226 got loads of mainstream press and coverage. It's a big talking point and they don't mention it. They mentioned Ronda going into the UFC Hall of Fame. And that was like I, that was like cool. This is like the precursor to them mentioning. It's like we're going to talk about what happened with Brock Lesnar, their universal champion, going into the going into the octagon at two two six, and yet nothing was mentioned throughout the entire night. And I thought that was really weird because you had a couple of weeks ago, just only a few weeks ago, we were all getting ready for this multi man match, not a, not a five five way, man. A multi-man match that was going to determine the new number one contender to Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. The following week, that match was scrapped. And then we've just got Bobby... Because La of a snag. Yes, a snag in Lesnar's contract. That's Kurt Angle's words in the promo. Yeah. And now we've just got Roman versus Bobby Lashley for what they are describing bragging rights. Like, the, in all the promo packages... It's great pay-per-view. Well, it is. It's about time they brought it back. They say in the promo package, that is what this match is for. Bragging rights. It's not a, it's not a number one contenders match. It's not who is going to face Brock Lesnar next. It is for bragging rights and bragging rights alone. So, I don't know what the situation is with WWE and, and Lesnar at the moment. Now, there are people who are saying that Lesnar will be at SummerSlam and he will be defending the title. In fact, there was actually one report uh, claiming that Daniel Cormier might even have some involvement at SummerSlam, but that, I think, is a bit of a stretch. So, and I think it is likely that Lesnar will be defending the title against SummerSlam, dropping it to whoever, dropping it like it's hot to whoever he is in the ring with, which will likely be Roman Reigns. And... Dave Meltzer has said that he's got one more match left on his contract. So it could just be, that'll be it then. This whole saga since WrestleMania is just going to end like a wet fart in one match at SummerSlam with Roman winning there instead of at WrestleMania, I guess. Yeah, like four or five months after the natural climax to the story and just all this, type, this period afterwards, which has cooled off an already cooled off reigns. People don't buy into him anymore as a legit credible guy because he's lost to Brock so many times when he said he'd win yeah uh, so that there's another school of thought that Brock doesn't have any more contract uh, matches left on his contract that he was just doing it on a per match basis and WWE might be in a position right now where their top champion has just left well, you might say top champion. I think other people might well, have suggested, but people might believe otherwise. Positioned as the top belt on Raw in WWE. 
I didn't. Oh, actually, it probably is in WWE. Rules the yeah, 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 you're absolutely as right. We know. Absolutely, you are right. Yeah, 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 you are right. So yeah, and it may just be a case that Brock is gone, and he and he has no interest whatsoever in coming back to drop the belt, which is insane, and would be very funny because <laughs> to, like Vince McMahon waited and waited and waited, and now the chance has both metaphorically and literally gone and it's funny it's also funny as well because he had the chance to do it at mania but because everybody thought the roman was going to win he thought he'd swerve the fans pointlessly and killed any momentum any small momentum that he might have had needlessly and now he's in a situation where he might not even be able to get the belt off of him it's a it's terrible that's terrible for the legitimacy of wwe wrestling if they if that's the case but I feel like they deserve it. I think they need to learn a lesson. Stop with the Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar stuff. Is that what the lesson needs to be? I don't know. Surely the lesson needs to be signed, like get a deal signed that you yeah. are going to be here for X amount of dates and you're going to drop the belt at this date. Well, the, the, like, I don't want them to, to sort of rescind and go, oh no, now we don't want to deal with any really big time wrestlers. Let's go back to the idea that WWE are the draw, not the individual stars, which is not true really like you're it's stars that catch fire in any sport and that's what drives up the whole popularity of the company or promotion or or business and if they get scared because of the whole brock lesnar fallout and they retreat back into that mentality i think we're we can settle him for a pretty rough few years of wwe mm. well yeah i suppose so but it's um at this point though I mean, do you care about the Universal Championship or who takes it off Brock? Yes, I do. Yeah, because like it is, we can mock and and sort of criticise how the Universal Championship has played out. But it has had the positive side effect of when it does appear, it feels like a real big deal. When Brock, Mm, I know know you're going to be cynical and you're going to say, yeah, but it's gone over that. It's too much now. He's not on it enough. But when Brock Lesnar next turns up, that's going to feel like a big deal, just because he's not there that much. I, I think at this point, though, where I, yeah, I might put on the cynical hat and say like it has gone too far. It's gone too far the other way. Because I, I agree with you. And I've been, I've been saying all throughout 2017, not having the champion on TV every week is a good thing because it makes the belt feel very special. It makes the champion feel special. It feels like a special attraction. Don't have him around all the time. Don't have him all... The thing that kills Roman Reigns a lot is that he's on TV week in, week, week, in, week out, having the same crappy matches. Uh, that's unfair. Having the same matches. Um, and... So keeping Brock off TV is great, but we're now like, you know, however many months it's been since WrestleMania without a single peep from Lesnar. And it's not like the Universal Championship is the WWE Championship that we have seen for years and years and years that's had all these incredible matches behind it. It's had one, but it's inherited the lineage. Like, I, I know it's but a different I don't think belt. It, I don't think it has. Like, I know Kevin Owens was saying this when he was on Jericho's podcast. Like, to me, this is the WWE Championship, but on Raw. I don't think I've ever bought into it as being that prestigious of a belt. It's all, maybe it's just because it's called the Universal Championship, mm. which is an awful name. But it's the, I mean, it's it's the title for the entire galaxy. <laughs> well, yes, absolutely. Which is impressive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, in my head, it's always, but whatever the top belt in WWE is, has the lineage of the previous top belts in WWE, mm. no matter what it's called. And I think, I kind of think that's the same for most promotions. Yeah, and I think that's fair enough. I think I've, I'm just at the point now where I've lost all interest mm. in this belt um, and lost all interest in who might take it off of him. 
And sadly, I've lost interest in Brock Lesnar, which is a shame because I really like Brock Lesnar. Yeah, we were amongst the few people who were like, yeah, we like him. That Brock Goldberg match was one of the best things in WWE that year. It was incredible. I would watch that match again and again and again because I do think it was one of the best matches of last year. It's all the hits. It's it's all the hits in five to ten minutes. My God, it is is a masterclass of doing all the hits in ten minutes. It's such a great match. But I've lost a lot of luster for him. Definitely. And, and, and And that's a real shame. Well, it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of weeks how WWE handles this UFC appearance from Brock, considering they didn't mention it at all. They wrote an article up about it on the website, but... That was it, really. Yeah, and it's also impo- important to remember that the website and WWE are two very different things. Mm. Like, they are run by different sections of the business. And this company here often doesn't know what this company here is doing. And this company here doesn't often know what this company here is doing. The left hand often doesn't know what the right hand is doing. I mean, let's be honest. The left hand also doesn't know what the left hand's doing a lot of the time. Yeah. And But after Extreme Rules, they're going to have to start building something because we're on the road to SummerSlam. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. So Raw opened on a video package, a pretty neat one, of Roman Reigns versus Bobby Lashley, which is helpful to me because I was on my voyage. I've only watched YouTube clip summaries yeah. of of last week's episode of Raw. What did you think you missed? Uh, not much. <laughs> so my, I know that Dr. Shelby returned. I'm sad I missed that because I do like Shelby. Uh, the Porter Potty stuff, Porter Lou, they're called in, in Britain. 
and yeah, the Lashley Reigns thing, which I've heard people said was good last week. I can't figure out why it was good. What mm-hmm. what what was was why was it good? Oh, I think they had a pro. They did. They had a promo segment. They had an in-ring promo segment, and that was when Roman said, um, "Hey, you were the guy ten years ago, but mm. then you left, and I'm the guy now, and I'm going to be the guy for the next ten years." And I went, "Oh dear, that sounds like a yeah. or, that sounds like a not fun time at all." But um, that I, sounds very similar to the promos before that. You see, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty much the exact same thing. But I did say, and I, I said this to the fake Ollie Davis last week that Roman saying you left here and you didn't make an impact anywhere and I'm like nah, well you did though didn't you because you had a really good MMA record I know it wasn't in UFC but it was a good MMA record and dominated uh, impact TNA whatever it was called back yes. then uh, and, and Roman saying last week's episode anyway Roman calling out all these part timer or you left stuff we know how this plays out. No, it's not. I made a complete boo-boo there. That's oh, yes? No, that was the segment that was two weeks ago when you were here. There we... That's... Okay, that's, that's why it sounds so familiar. Last... Oh, I remember this now. I completely forgot this happened. So last week, Roman had two tag team matches. Okay. He had one... He had, he had an announced tag team match where it was him and Bobby Lashley against the Revival. I know that also happened two weeks ago, but it was... They were doing it again. So it was the third time they were going to do that match. But then... Um, he got beaten up by uh, him and Seth got beaten up by Drew and Dolph. Yes, that was the end of the la- the one where I before I went yes. away. Yes, and so they had another segment, and then Roman and Seth wanted a tag team match against them, which Kang said, "Oh, I'll do that next week." And Roman's like, "No, I want to do it tonight." So Roman had two tag team matches, and the revival cost that they got they caused the DQ in the first one because they attacked Roman, mm-hmm. and then in the second one, Roman would not tag Bobby Lashley in despite the fact that he'd already wrestled one match and was badly injured. He wouldn't tag Bobby That's in. Cool. Well, you'd say you'd say it was cool, but then he still won because the the revival got DQ'd for winning too much. On so, uh, was, on paper, it sounds cool. On paper, on pa- if the revival had won, would have been great because it really would have proved a point. Mm. But actually. All Roman did was prove that he was all right. He was absolutely right. He's like, I can handle this on my own. And he did, because their team won. He's the big dog, Luke. He retired The Undertaker. He can beat the revival without tagging in his partner. So Roman, after that video package, is walking around backstage and he comes face to face with Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley's massive back. Bobby Lashley's massive head. <laughs> Uh, and eyes and every he's just got big everything and the crowd are chanting something i'm like what, what are they chanting these in this boston accent are they chanting for roman harvard harvard right. <laughs> are they chanting for lashley no that's not it either and i realized they were chanting for the celtics <laughs> logo that was in between them on the wall yeah. they were chanting for a wall over the two people the two wrestlers they paid to see i couldn't work out what they were chanting so i'm glad you've cleared mm. that up for me uh, so Roman's like, get out of my way. I'm going to cut a in-ring promo or something to that effect. He comes out and he calls out Bobby Lashley. Well, yeah, I think Lashley had said that, like, I dare you to call me out. Yeah. And so he went out there and he, he came out to a chorus of boos. Um, and he said that he goes, no one's ever told me to call them out before. Uh, and then he calls out Lashley and Lashley comes out. So, yeah, it was nice to have that segment to set up the... Yeah, the, the the segment itself, and then Angle comes out and he's with Corbin, and they're like, "Hey, you guys, you got to save this till Sunday." Mercifully short. That means Roman and Bobby can't say too much. Yes. I thought that yeah, they didn't have too many lines, and they just went at each other, mm. and they just started doing a fight, and that's when all of the Raw locker room, apart from the stars, came out. I love it when they do this because I think it's a real telling sign of who WWE thinks is a top star. 
in the yeah. company. And then you're like, oh, Finn and, ba- Finn and Bobby Roode are there, so clearly they're not top stars anymore. They're just in the mix. Authors of Pain. Authors of Pain were like, in why there. Why not just keep them off TV? At least give us the illusion that they're being saved for something. They are being saved for main events. Mm. They were on main events again this week. Uh, we got a, a wild Mike Kanellis <laughs> appearance <laughs> in the in the Ferrari. Yeah, I was really surprised to see Mike Kanellis probably waiting for his next main event match. I So I, I found the picture of Mike Kanellis because I needed it for my Raw review video. And you can just see him in the background running down. He is so happy. He looks, he's got a big smile on his face, despite this being quite a serious pull-apart brawl segment. And you're probably thinking, I'm on TV. Yeah. Hey, Maria. Hey, Maria. I made it, baby. So they did the big pull-apart pull apart brawl and they really like you know lengthen this out it was good i thought this was great i really really enjoyed this i'm a big fan of of pull apart brawls don't do them too often like i think when they do it with lesnar it becomes a bit of a repetitive thing because he just does it all the time but when you do it for a feud like this i think it can really work and i thought this i thought this actually made the 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 fight that they're gonna have this sunday feel more epic and important than Roman saying, like, you didn't make an impact in 10 years. I agree. It was a effective go-home angle. I'm more interested in seeing the match, which is what you want from a, a go-home Exactly. Bit. However, uh-oh, now cynical uh, on Pass off my cynical hat and give it to well, you. It's just that I enjoyed the pull-apart brawl. I enjoyed the way they they... Fought and then Bobby Lashley actually got the upper hand at one point, and he, he looked like Bobby looked awesome. Bobby looked great, yeah. And then Roman looked awesome when he did, did his Undertaker dive, dive yeah. over the top rope onto everyone, taking everyone out. Roman goes to the top of the ramp. His music plays. You're like, okay, that's the end of this segment. And Roman's like, oh, I'm gonna beat you up some more. Runs down and they start brawling again. It was it was really well planned out. But to me, this never connected on an emotional level. Whereas the Brock Joe pull apart brawls from last year, which mm-hmm. I think are the best of recent times, I was like, oh my god, yes, grr, I've got like a guttural anger. Here, it was the equivalent of watching a match full of high spots with no psychology. Oh, it's like well, how Jim Cornette sees Young Bucks matches. Exactly. Well, yeah. there is, a, I think, there's a very solid reason for that. Is because you don't really care about Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley has been so co- like not cool as in the good way but he's just been completely cooled off since his return with all the Sami Zayn nonsense and all the sisters nonsense mm. that it's hard to kind of like rebuild your excitement about Bobby Lashley again like I thought yeah. this was a really well staged pull apart brawl but I did not have the emotional connection to it like you did like I love Samoa Joe and I loved Brock Lesnar at that point so I'm like oh, I cannot wait to see that match why couldn't this have been Lashley's first feud yeah, oh, yeah well because yeah. what was Roman's? Roman had the sort of greatest Royal Rumble hangover with Brock, and then he had the feud with Jinder. But oh, imagine, God, I forgot about yeah, that. yeah, imagine if you come straight out of WrestleMania, Bobby Lashley returns, and he's immediately vying with Reigns for that number one contenders spot. But Reigns has the rematch, like he gets a rematch for whatever reason, even though he lost quite fairly. Oh, hang on, he won at the greatest. Not Royal at WrestleMania. Rumble. No, not at WrestleMania, but he did win at Greatest but Royal I'm Rumble. Sa- that's what I'm saying. The rematch at Greatest Royal Rumble. That person had a sign that said his feet touched first. So, and, and then you can you can have Brock appear for that moment, and then Lashley and Reigns feud out off out of it, and you don't get all of this cooling off stuff where Lashley did nothing for about a month and a half. Then he had, like you said, that terrible feud with Sami Zayn, mm-hmm. and they it really positions Lashley as a as awesome and he is awesome and watching him do this stuff 
He's really impressive. He has got an intimidating ring presence. He's got that star value from being with the company even 10 years ago. I, you know, it's just taken a while for people to remember that. But yeah, it just it's they I I'm hopeful that they can make it work with him, but it would have been a lot more effective 3 months ago. Yes, to do this. I completely agree. Next up, we had Nia Jax and Natalia taking on Alexa Bliss and Mickey James. Before that, oh, did we? So, oh, yes, this so, was good. So after the segment, after this whole thing, it goes like TV, and uh, Alexa Bliss and Mickey James are standing in a row watching it on the TV screen at an angle, and Mickey says, and I quote, "It's pandemonium out there. The pain, the destruction, it's crazy." It's like Colonel Kurtz in Apocalypse Now. <laughs> the pandemonium. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was pretty awkward, but I was so blown away by the seamless transition from me watching the action to it suddenly being on a screen. I thought that was so good. Like, like a, well done, Kevin Dunn. Like a cat with some shiny keys. Oh, it just, I was like, oh this is the best thing I've ever seen. Hey. Who's more of a fan of segways than this guy? <laughs> You're right. And that was a hell of a segue. It's, a of a segue. it's pandemonium out there. It's pandemonium out there. I would have been better if it was Kurt Angle looking up from his phone. Oh, it looks like pandemonium out there. Yeah. They're worth $12 million. The destruction. The pain. So, yes, then we got the tag match. And this was building towards Bliss and Jax at Extreme Rules uh, this Sunday. And it was mostly The Miz. <laughs> I felt like this whole... An, Quite a few of the matches of the night were just that annoying shrink screen mm-hmm. Extreme Rules promo, which, like, I totally support WWE pushing their big pay-per-view on-the-go-home show. Like, I think that's a good thing. You should run video packages. But can't you do it in between the matches? Well, it's because in the world of WWE, wrestling doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, the wrestling matches on TV don't matter. So you can sacrifice those for ad breaks. You can sacrifice those for uh, commercial breaks to promote the pay-per-views. Because it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you could put whoever you want in these matches. The outcomes don't matter. The actual rest- Sometimes the outcomes matter. But the actual wrestling in between does not matter. And it's you watching it, and it's becoming so frustrating, really infuriating to me. I don't know why this winds me up so much. I hate how formulaic every match is. Mm. It's always the same thing. The baby faces run wild. Commercial, and then we go like, and Raw rolls on because they spill to the outside. Come back. The heels are working them over. Then you get the baby face come back, and one of them wins. And it's every match is the exact same way. And it's really, really starting to work. Like, it's just starting to work me. It's been really noticeable in the last few months, and I don't think that's us becoming suddenly enlightened to. WWE agenting and mm. how they book their matches. I just think they've they've gone lazy. I think they have got lazy. Yeah. I think they've got very formulaic. I think like I don't think they would see it as lazy in their heads though. I think they'd go, we have got this down to a fine art. Yes, we production know. line stuff. Boom, efficiency. But uh really I much, much prefer some variety. Yeah. Uh yeah, so this was so this was a, a nothing match, really. But mm-hmm. Nia looked really good. Yeah, Nia looked great and when that she made was, her comeback. That was really needed, considering that she hasn't had the best of time since winning the title. Like she's had all these kind of lame duck moments. But I thought she looked like the monster baby face of old. She destroyed Mickey James, and then Bliss attacked. Like that was the win. And they momentarily play Alexa Bliss's entrance music. I oh, did they? I missed that. But um, but um, <laughs> I swear they do. I I can't quite make it out though. 
so I won't say that for certain. But then Bliss hits her with a kendo stick. She beats down uh, Naya and Natalia for a bit. Jax fires up and snaps the kendo stick over her knee. Yeah. Really good. It's needed as well because me and the uh, other Rollie were saying last week that um, Naya really does feel like the third wheel in her own feud because it really does feel like this feud is Alexa Bliss versus Ronda Rousey. Totally. Because last week uh, on the show that you missed, there was a sit-down interview with Ronda Rousey. It was the best thing actually about the feud. It was the sit-down interview with Ronda Rousey where she was like, hey, I'm banned from Raw. I'm suspended from Raw, but doesn't mean I can't buy a ticket for Extreme Rules. And she's buying a front row ticket. They're still available, apparently. So she's bought a, uh, a front row ticket to Extreme Rules. And it just all of a sudden, I got these thoughts like Goldberg at No Way Out 2004 and that segment with Brock Lesnar. That's and that was good yeah, stuff. That was really good. That was really that was a really good angle. So a bit long. A bit long. <laughs> so uh, um, and then it led to that uh, Bob Holly Rhino match. Right? Oh <laughs> yeah. How's that? Yeah, Bob Holly runs down for the save. <laughs> does, yeah. Um, and so I, I'm hoping for something like that. Mm. But again, it just feels like Nia Jax is. She's the third wheel in this feud between Alexa Bliss and Ronda Rousey. So yeah. then, so have, her having this moment here, I think, was really needed. She'd never be my third wheel. No. Good old Nia. Good old Nia. Best friends. Uh, so Jax afterwards walks backstage and cuts a pretty pretty okay, nothing, nothing fiery, but I just thought, in general, she struggles with uh, some scripted promos, but this was an okay delivery. Exactly. And she, sometimes yeah. you don't want to razzle-dazzle, you just want to be... Okay. okay. That's pretty much our mantra. Yeah. Here in the rest. We walk into the studio every day. We look at each other. It's like, today, we're going to be okay. Yeah. We're going to do the most adequate videos possible. Well, that's what we... And hopefully, like, we, we marginally overachieve, and then we have a little party. <laughs> we, did, uh, we did great today. Mate, that video we did today... We did all right. That video we did today was probably a 3.25 on the Meltzer scale. Oh, have you seen the new Being the Elite? Where Kenny Omega... The Young Bucks come over to Kenny Omega, and they're like... Man, we're, we're, we're really stuck in a rut. We're only having four-star matches. <laughs> and Omega's there, like, reading this book with glasses on. And he says, oh, I can, I can let you in on the secret to break the scale. And the Young Bucks, you know, we've tried psychology. We've tried this. We've tried that. And uh, can you imagine? Have you tried European-style submission moves? <laughs> yes, we've tried European-style submission moves. <laughs> it's really good. That's very uh, good. They're very good, obviously. Yeah. After that, we got Kevin Owens and Braun Strowman in a video package recapping the insanity that I missed from the previous week. Yep. It was so. I mean, you've got to. I don't. You have to see this whole segment as a whole because it it, it plays out for a long old time because the match doesn't happen. Like yeah, Owens just, he just runs. He, oh, he he just runs away and he gets counted out, and then. You get this long segment of him running out. There's also a lovely bit of payoff from the previous week. So remember the previous week where he had the valet? Yes. And the valet didn't have his keys. So he parks up his car last week, and he gets his keys, and the valet's like, do you want me to He's like, not this time. I'm not falling for that again. And so he keeps the keys on him. Then when he runs away from Braun, he gets out. The valet is standing there, and he's like, oh, my, I haven't got my keys because I'm still that in my gear. That, that was good. really nice. And that's when he was like, I need to hide. So he hides in the porta potty Braun comes out and he's like, where is he? And then he's like, can't find us. Like, no, it's not Batman. He's like, where is he? And then he he smells Owen's fear. And he grabs the porta potty, which thankfully had a harness on it. And he drags it all the way through the arena. There was clutter everywhere in this arena. And he somehow managed to get this porta potty through without it falling over or getting stuck on anything. And I'm not, there's debris everywhere. The Riot Squad had a proper old Riot backstage. 
and then he drags it up on stage. There was thankfully a ramp. He brought it up onto the ramp when it nearly fell over. Like it went, and he went, and like grabbed it, said it again. You wouldn't want to actually hurt anyone. No. And then he took it over and he rammed it off the stage and Kevin Owens fell down and he blew himself and it was really funny and everyone laughed and everyone chanted, hey, get these hands. And Braun went, and then it went off the air. So it was good. It Because uh, out of context in the video package, it looks embarrassing oh totally 100 yeah. percent embarrassing yeah but it was at the same time i did quite laugh at it yeah but it wasn't like it's 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 such a vince mcmahon segment mm-hmm. it's like put him in a porta party yeah that'll be funny yeah it's it's just a i mean i'm not object to comedy at all and i quite like angles like this in wrestling that's you know that that's why i like wwe as opposed to just watching New Japan all the time, although sometimes I think that might be preferable. But it's just a shame that it's Kevin Owens and Braun Strowman in this kind of storyline, because Kevin Owens is incredible, and we've seen him at his psychotic best. And Braun Strowman has has cooled off over in recent, like probably the last month, when he was getting really hot in those hog, hot tag period he had with Bobby Lashley, at, at Lashley's expense. But now he seems to just be flattening out into comedy stuff. Well, the reason... I mean, we and uh, Fake Ollie were talking about this last week. And I think that one of the issues I certainly had with the Braun segments is that I felt sorry for Kevin Owens. Mm. Like, it doesn't feel... like I feel like Braun's just being a bully. Like, be a star, mate. Like, yeah. you are literally picking on this lad because you're bigger than him. And you think it's funny. I quite liked it when Owens and Braun almost got together that as a was tag team. Wonderful, and that's the other thing. Like, it doesn't feel like Kevin Owens has done anything to deserve mm, it. Yeah, it's it just feels that Braun woke up one day and was like, "Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pick on Kevin Owens." Yeah, and that's all he's done now for the last five weeks. Well, so Owens is very scared now of Strowman, so he goes to Kurt. Kurt's on his phone, of course. He's in Kurt's office, and he says, "I'm going to be professional. I've got a doctor's note saying I can't compete." But I'm professional, so I've turned up. I'm going to stay in your office because that's kind of the safest place to be. Yeah, and I say, so yeah, he's got this doctor's note. And he says that I'm the safest place for me to stay is in here, is in your office. So I'm going to stay in here with you all night long. And I thought, oh, this is going to lead to some really good comedy segments. Kurt Angle and Kevin Owens doing some comedy segments backstage. This should be really. No, they did one. They did yeah. one segment, and I was like, oh, what a waste. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's missed potential there, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Mojo Rawley beat No Way Jose next. Fourth week in a row they've done this. this is, is it really? Fourth week in a row. But they haven't wrestled every week. It's so, been Mojo kind of... Yeah. It's, a, it's long-term. Well, it's long-term it's storytelling. Say, here is what this story is. Week one... It's like this is fantasy booking warfare. Week one, Mojo Rawley beats No Way Jose. Week two, No Way Jose wants a rematch. Mojo says no. <laughs> yeah, but that was the week with... With uh, Trev, or whatever yeah, his name whatever was. Whatever it was. Week three, No Way Jose asks for a rematch, and Mojo says no. Is that what happened? Yeah. What a thrilling turn of events. And then he beat him up around ringside, which he also did on week two. Mm. And then week four, No Way Jose asked for a rematch, and Mojo had a rematch and won. Yeah. Rawley seemed to dominate this as well. I, I thought Rawley looked great in this match. And that big Alabama slam to finish it off. Yeah. Better than Bob's. <laughs> oh, don't let me use that. I prefer the pounces of finisher, though. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah that's that's good as well. Yeah, yeah he's running charges are really good. Uh, coach said that Mojo Rawley rivals Bobby Lashley for athleticism. That is Coach going into business for himself yeah. there, man. Uh, but th- this was uh, the faster you can move Mojo up 
and into a proper storyline and give him some actual an actual proper feud. Dude, the this better. This is a storyline. This is a feud. Yeah, I know, but a but proper like, one. Like you're absolutely right. This, like this is the pure definition of treading water. Hmm. Like this, Mojo must have turned up to work on Monday and was like, again. This is what you've got. You've had seven whole days to think of something, yeah. and this is what you've got. It's the payoff, Mojo. <laughs> I guess so. Um, the it's it's this is one of the knock-on effects of having your universal your top championship nowhere because the mid-card belt becomes the default top championship. So you've got everyone fighting over that, leaving nothing for the actual mid-card. Yeah, which is which is why Mojo's kind of. Like that, because that's what Mojo could do with. He could do with a mid card title program at least. I'm not saying a run, but to actually go in there with mm-hmm. whoever the champion would be. Sasha Banks and Bailey, after the thrilling counselling sessions with Shelby last week, were just filmed chatting normally in the same office with a different counsellor. Yeah, okay, no Shelby this week. And I clearly WWE thought that was a mistake last week. That was awful. Let's not bother doing it again. Let's not bother bringing in Dr. Shelby. So they didn't. And mm. they didn't even do any comedy. They once again played this completely straight. And Bailey and Banks just said some stuff to each other. And for some reason, this took up three segments. Yeah, so the first one you can actually hear Bailey say, this is why I don't like you, yada yada, moan, moan, moan. Why would anyone ever care about this? And then the other two segments were Michael Cole speaking over it while Bailey and Sasha Banks uh, fish what's it called fish goldfished yeah yeah while they just their mouths were moving with no no sound it was i mean i know last week was nothing like they were three nothing segments but this was less than nothing mm. like, they were again nothing like it doesn't build anything and apparently this is all building up to a match at SummerSlam yeah i get they, because they somehow don't want this to be it's such a long term story that they don't want to pay off with Extreme Rules this Sunday. Well, by the time we get to SummerSlam, it will be an eight-month-long storyline. And actually, thinking about it, because I was doing some research because my weekend video is on this, this storyline technically started in September last year when Bailey made her return from injury, because that's when they started playing up the friendship between Bailey and what? Banks. And then that sort of was all building up, and then Corey Graves was doing, like, can't trust Banks. You can't trust Sasha Banks. She'll always be stabbing you in the back. That's what Corey was doing from September to January. And then when Banks finally stabbed her in the back. So actually, by the time we get to SummerSlam, it will have been almost a year since this feud started. Mega powers. Explode. Move aside. We've got a new year-long build in place to take the crown. Or it's going to build to the uh, women's tag team division and they're going to be the team Mm. hell no other division. Uh, then we got Seth Rollins walking around backstage. He runs into Jinder Mahal, who was the SmackDown champion this time last year. This And now he has got a gimmick that just screams, you have a glass ceiling above you and you're not going anywhere, mate. Yeah, it's like, okay, so what we've done the sort of Maharaja stereotype side of things. What else happens with your ethnicity? Oh, uh, can we have him make curries? Oh, no, 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 that seems a bit too on the nose. Yeah, maybe. Let's have him do a meditation guru gimmick and preaching peace and stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which is like, that's the gimmick he had when he first returned to WWE in 2016. He was like, he'd, he'd preach peace, but he'd be a hypocrite because when the match would start, he'd actually be rather aggressive. Uh, but here, he just seemed like a good guy trying to preach the very positive benefits of meditation and a mindfulness practice to Seth Rollins. Seth had no time for that. No. I assume he puts his mind in his muscles in his CrossFit. 
sessions. That's what but he is CrossFit Jesus, so he has got a different uh, yeah. God to pray to, I guess. It's not just working out the muscles for Seth. He's working out his mind in those. Which is the biggest muscle oh, of all. Oh, yes. Uh, so, d- yeah, like, Rollins played up to it. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, I should be about peace, not about burning it down, because really I'm burning parts of myself down, which I thought was, was quite funny. Yeah. And then Jinder started meditating, and Seth just walked away. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I feel bad for Jinder now. It's, just, well, I, I, it's, it's, been, it's been sidelined with a gimmick that is going to go nowhere. Yes, but this is like really where he should be <laughs> yes. for his for his quality. He's a, you know he's turned into a very good promo, but he's not a main eventer. No, oh god, absolutely not. Nowhere near the main event. That much is fine. I, I I preferred the modern day Maharaja. I didn't think there was anything wrong with that gimmick. It just needed to be in the mid card. Hmm. But again, it's people not having much to do because the mid card has no title. Yeah, Seth Rollins walked away from those that meditation skit to come out for a live promo in front of the crowd and I've ridden and hyped his two out of three falls match. It's not that. It's, an Iron it's a 30-minute Iron Man match against Dolph Ziggler for the Intercontinental title this Sunday and he cut an alright promo. Yeah, it was. Although I will say, um, here comes the Kingslayer is my new It's Boss time. Yeah. Yeah. Here comes the Kingslayer. Yeah. It's, yep. Not, it grated on me actually. This <laughs> uh, and Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre eventually come out. Dolph was cutting a good promo. He is always a good promo. Like, he's one of the most animated guys. And I was thinking when he was talking, he kept on calling Seth kid. Like, here's what you do, kid. And that's the kind of uniqueness to speech you don't get for other characters in WWE. They all have the same basic dialogue. But Dolph has his own little spins on things that he puts in that makes it feel like a Dolph promo. Mm. But everyone else feels like a WWE promo. Thought that was interesting. But that all fell apart when he botched a line <sighs> and just, he was saying something and then out of nowhere he just said slam, <laughs> yeah. And the crowd laughed. Dolph really quickly made up for it by just like going full force into an unrelated line in his promo. But I was... <laughs> Something about Schlam really, really made me laugh. Made, you have said nothing but that. Schlam, this is my favourite moment of Raw. Schlam. Schlam. Summer Schlam. Schlam. Summer Schlam. <laughs> yes. Uh, body Schlams. Yep. Oh, Alabama Schlam. Alabama Schlam. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm going to try and make that a thing. It would, yeah. it would help help me out if everyone just comments Schlam. So that's S-C-H-L-A-M. Hashtag Schlam. Hashtag if you've slam. made it this far... 36 minutes in hashtag slam just and let us know comment it on some other youtube videos you watch <laughs> just confuse people yeah i mean there are there's a certain group that are trying to invade us so we certainly we recommend doing it over there actually yeah. well no i'm not saying you should but you certainly could i'm just saying if you want to slam it up if you want to slam it on over there slam the breeze on someone else's channel <laughs> exactly. maybe go over to coldaholic we're gonna destroy you yeah. in whatever predictions war uh, happens so th- 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 this is when seth then eventually said oh, D- dolph had a, a few really neat lines about um being the most like having loads of wins at a college he was the winningest thing. wrestler is yeah. it was what he said he goes i had the winning and he, he racked up 121 wins at penn state and him and drew have got really good chemistry together on these sorts of things he's like how many wins did i have mm. drew like you know they sort of like do all this sort of stuff together and i really like this and i thought drew was really great in this segment as well i'm, I'm really high on drew mcintyre at the moment and then seth has a re like seth is like why 
I loved it when he was saying, like, why do you keep following this guy around? Like, you're so much taller. You're so much better. You've got better music because Dolph's is rubbish. Why do you keep following him around like a lackey? Sorry, sorry. Dolph's music is excellent. The record scratches is the problem. <laughs> and then Drew was going to see it, and then Seth goes, ah, oh, it's because Dolph knows secrets, doesn't he? He knows the secrets. And then said, it's because you have had intimate relationships with sheep. Well, he, d- he didn't say it so overtly as that. He, he, he hinted that... He, he essentially called him a sheep shagger. Yes. Now, there is a big problem with that. That is not a Scottish stereotype. That is a Welsh stereotype. So, that doesn't work at all. I, uh... Yeah. It's... It's... It would... What what sort of tickled me more was that Seth then said, oh, what, does Dolph have photos? Well, that's a bit rich coming from you, Seth. <laughs> he of the leaked, leaked sexy it. photo my, fame. Which my cousin Wendy was a big fan of. Yeah, big being the, yeah, being the, the octane word. word. Yeah. So, he said his brain was the biggest muscle. Yeah, the... The, the set, it's tissue. It's it's not a muscle, guys. It's an organ. Uh, the it was yeah. It it, it was weird. It was so I didn't weird. hate it though. No, I didn't hate it. But it was just, my first thought was like, well, that's that's not a Scottish stereotype, and that's why you've done it because yeah. you're trying to do like a stereotypical like Iron Brew. That's a typical Scottish thing. But like, I have sympathy that it's America, and sometimes they just say British. Which yeah, is all those things. All of them together. So, I, I mean, do they even know what Wales is? <laughs> I don't. Yeah. When, uh, when all these, like, there's like, save the whales. They're like, what's wrong with the country? Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't mind that the it's the wrong country. What I do mind is just not very funny. It like, does, I thought there was a much yeah. better way you could have gone with this whole... Because, like, you said that was good material. Why are you hanging around with Dolph? You're kind of sowing seeds of dissension. Because Dolph was, like... Putting his hand at Drew, being like, "Don't listen to him," mm. like, "Don't listen to," him. and I, I was like, "This is really good." And then that was a, it was a juvenile line. It undermines it. Undermines yeah. it, which then with the double whammy of just like, and it's incorrect. It's an incorrect stereotype. It's an unfair stereotype on Wales. And hypocritical and hypocritical. And um, then so Drew eventually does like he goes, he challenges Seth to a match, and I was like, "Yes, mate." He looks so good when he was challenging. Oh God, he's yeah. just, he's a he's amazing. And then he goes into the ring. Seth bails out. And uh, I was said to him, you should be careful because I'm a bad man. Which I thought was quite cute. Mm-hmm. And then he bails out. And Drew was like so angry. And I loved him in this segment. Yeah. I thought he was great. Drew's a superstar. He really is. Uh, Bo Dallas beat Matt Hardy next in... <sighs> okay, so backstage before that, the B team for the fourth week in a row were dressed yeah. up as the deleter of worlds. And Curtis thinks that... Bo is Bray and they do all of that sort of stuff and it's like yep cool seeing this and then they came out and they cut a promo before the match and then the leader of worlds cut a promo up on the screen and then did their blub and then they're in the ring and then that just it led to a match and it was a it was a nothing match my only note from this is that both Bray and Bo and Matt were wearing the same t-shirts mm. they wrestled this match wearing the same outfit the uh, yeah, it's just I, I understand that Bray Wyatt had the unfortunate car accident and whatever plans you might have had, which is reportedly was his fault. You, whatever plans you might have had was uh, have been thrown away a little bit, but it's I don't think I don't trust that they had better plans anyway. <clears throat> I think this is what they were always going to do, just the same thing week after week after week, and there's just no originality there. And we were there at the UK Raw shows in London, and that was when the B-team first became a thing. And we were all so into them, they were super over, 
and now I just couldn't care less, and they actively kind of annoy me. Bo Dallas's excellent impersonation of his brother aside, they're, they're quite, like, I'm just a bit, like, go away now. Well, that's because they've done the same shtick week in yeah, and week out. And it's the like, problem. And their whole gimmick at the moment is they get fluky wins and then react like they won the world title. I like, And that was really funny the first week, but it feels like we're six weeks into this. Yeah. And... Once you've seen that six weeks over, it's be- it becomes less and less funny. Especially because those first wins were like in 30 seconds. So they were legit fluke wins. Whereas this match actually went about 10 minutes. Yeah. So when you, if you beat someone with a roll-up at the end of 10 minutes, I, I kind of think fair play, that isn't a fluke win. So you celebrating kind of makes sense. Plus, the tag team champions have been beaten every time they've gone against the B team. B team run defeated. It's it's rubbish. It's it's a rubbish storyline. And at the end of it, there was this really weird bit. What was this all about? I know, where Bo and Curtis are celebrating. Bray is kind of to the left of the ring. Matt's on the other side. They did the Blood. lights go to black. And I thought, oh, okay, here we go. Authors of pain. Revival was shown watching backstage. Something's going to happen. No, it just did the Bray Wyatt blur bit. Lights come back up. And Bray and Matt are on the other side of the ring, just still stand- outside. Just standing on the ramp. It's not as impressive to have two guys appear when they were already there. Yeah. It was really odd. Because, like, yeah, I totally believe that you just walked. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's like, the, I, whenever I see segments like this, I try and imagine what the writing meeting was like. It was like, and then we'll do the blurp gimmick, and they'll be standing on the ramp, and the other 20 other, write- 20 other writers go like, that's a great idea. Write that down. I Put, g- give that to Vince because he's going to love it. Like, how many people does it take before? Like, what does it mean? I don't think that happens. I think they write the Roman Reigns stuff and the other big bits, and that leaves seventy-five percent of the show remaining. And it's like, ah, figure it out. And everyone's like, what, really? Okay, uh, okay, we'll do this, 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 um, and we can do another blur thing. Oh god, the show's starting, <laughs> and then they just go with it. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had a Bobby Lashley interview who tells Rene Young he has no respect for Roman Reigns, but he does kind of because he's agreed to face him and he did have respect for Sami Zayn, even though that he did worse things. It was an interview. Yeah. Uh, backstage, Tyler Breeze. Oh, but, but he did have a cool finish where he walked away, looked into the camera, smiling and then the smile disappeared and he looked, he looked mean. I thought, that's how you do a Bobby Lashley look into the camera But they really with Renee Young. WWE really do believe that saying believe that is like a real big insult to, to Roman Reigns because anytime he faces someone, that's what... Paul Heyman always does it as well. Mm. Like, that's their big thing. It's like, oh, this is how, you, this is how you're going to rile up the fans and get them behind Roman Reigns. He used his catchphrase that no one likes. Uh, backstage... To, uh, Tyler Breeze, the now solo Tyler Breeze, because Fandango is on the injured list until probably the end of the year. Yeah, that's that's really unfortunate. Um, and he's uh, giving a T-shirt to the Riot Squad, um, the the Ruby Riotless Riot Squad, and uh, they say we don't do fashion, we riot, and they tear up the T-shirt and then walk away. Yeah. Riot Squad are aimless without Ruby. Yeah, it's a shame because, I mean, I'm not saying I wanted Logan to get injured, but seeing the the Riot Squad as a two-person unit, I thought, ah, Morgan and Riot are the ones that work in this act. Sarah Logan's character doesn't really hook in with the whole Riot Squad idea. Plus, when I I was really disheartened by the Fandango news because I really like them. 
Uh, I like him. And he's a really good performer. He's good at comedy. Um, the Fashion Files stuff was excellent. And, like, these guys go out there and really put their bodies on the line for the company. They don't like to say, oh, yeah, it's for the fans. But it's also for the company, their employers, who they, you know, they entrust in and must be huge fans of from, from back in the day. And you just do nothing with them and then they get injured. Like, if someone was getting a push to the moon and they get injured, it's like, oh, that's disappointing. But you just wasted a guy. And he gets injured on that waste. It just—it's—it's it's like a double insult. I, yeah, it's—it's it's sad. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Tyler coming out of this. Like I said on Twitter over the weekend, I'd like to see him get a push. But like you know, go like get away from the fashion files, get away from Brizango, go back to his Prince Pretty gimmick, and you know maybe get a serious singles run. But more likely, and I don't think this is overly a bad thing. Goes to two hundred five live and just becomes a single star that if, doing the Prince pretty gimmick at least he'll get tv time because he's not going to get anything on raw because raw has already stacked with these lower mid card guys that they're doing nothing with um and then someone points out to me on twitter that he'll likely just become a tag team with no way jose yes not confident mm. alexa bliss had a mobile phone promo those are a thing again and the moon took on Liv morgan we also got another one of the banks bailey's therapy things again oh right yeah and I, they, I stopped and, noting those down and they recapped ronda going into the hall of fame mm. Uh, Ember Moon, yeah, so this was a rematch from the previous week. Moon won. Moon looked great. And yep. Morgan was okay, I thought. She wasn't as bad as usual. But this, again, is just like we were talking about earlier with the Mojo uh, and No Way Jose. I think this is just, it's treading water. It's, no one is moving anywhere. Like, mm. we had this match last week. Moon wins twice in a row. It doesn't really do anything for anyone, really. And, yeah, it's, it was it was something and nothing. I thought Moon's pin was really good. <laughs> okay. That was my big takeaway. <laughs> Your big takeaway. Uh, then we got a Finn Balor interview. Renee's talking to uh, a big smiling Finn. And then Bobby Roode walks in and says, you know what we're going to be? Me and Finn, we've got really good abs. We've got big smiles. We're both ineffectively booked by WWE as baby faces. What are we going to be, Renee? And she goes, glorious. He's, no, we're going to be victorious. I was like, it's not funny. It's not, it's not funny. Maybe it was funny on paper, but the whole delivery wasn't funny. No, it, yeah, it was, it was a segment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then we got a skyscraper flashback. <laughs> Did you get this on your no, feed? It was a WrestleMania 30 flashback of Daniel Bryan winning the, the titles. Uh, with, you know, kind of sponsored by Dwayne Johnson's skyscraper. Which you're seeing on Friday. Well, hopefully, yeah. Uh, and it just looks bonkers. And I read a review today from The Guardian, no less, mm -hmm. who are quite snobby, Peter Bradshaw, and he said, it's really cliche-ridden, but it's fun. That's the Three point, stars. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's all I wanted from this movie. I can't wait to see it. Well, that, I'm so up for that. So I, I watched um, Geostorm over the weekend, and like that is, it's cliche-ridden, but it's purposefully cliche-ridden because... It's a genre piece. It's a genre piece. And they know it's a genre piece. And it, it knows what it is. The actors all know what they're in. The director knows what he's shooting. And, it, and it's... Oh, it's wonderful. It's such a joyously fun movie. My favourite tagline for um, Skyscraper, though, it, it's Die Hard in a Building. So Die Hard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess if you're only familiar with Die Hard's three and above, <laughs> it's then it, it makes sense to... 
bring it back to the building. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> super excited for Skyscraper. I think it's yeah. going to be a, a heck of a lot of fun. Guardian had a, a fascinating article last week talking about them being snobby writers. If you're not a uh, au fait with The Guardian, which is a, a UK newspaper, they posted an article last week uh, where a journalist was tasked about why are people getting addicted to Fortnite? You know this game. Mm-hmm. So she was given seven days to play Fortnite and then write up this article about why people are getting addicted to Fortnite. And the article is not about her playing Fortnite. It is about her saying, I don't have an Xbox. I don't have a phone good enough to play the game online. So I asked if I could borrow an Xbox. He, uh, he said he could, but then I was out. And then he left it in a hotel. Then I think I lost it. And then I tried to install it on my Mac and it didn't work. So I don't know. It's a wacky gonzo piece of journalism meant to appeal to Guardian readers who also don't have those things. It's such a bizarre... Like I was like, you got paid to write this. You got paid to not play a game mm. and then write about how you didn't play it. Back to Raw. Yeah. Kevin Owens was backstage again in Kurt's office. So this is the one gimmick segment they yeah. had. And he's kind of spraying air freshener, uh, making it nicer. And Drew McIntyre comes in. And Kurt says, if you lose tonight, you'll be banned from ringside at Extreme Rules, which I thought was a really nice wrinkle. Yeah, I, again... And gi- added to the main event. Giving the main event a bit of stake. It's yeah. like last week on SmackDown, it was Team Hell No versus the Usos. And if the Usos won, they would be added into the Extreme Rules tag team match. It just adds a little bit extra mm. into there. Although the uh, boom mic fell into shot on this. It, nice. was, uh, it, was like, it was like the room. It was hilarious. It was a return. The <laughs> boom mic debuts. Uh, then we had Baron Corbin and Elias taking on Finn Balor and Bobby Roode, which opened with a Elias concert. I haven't had one of them for a little while. Well, he said that he's been away recording his debut album. But he hasn't been away because he was there at TV last week. We saw him on TV last week. I really hope WWE are going to put out an album. Well, they did say he was getting a network show because they <gasps> teased uh, during the Hall of Fame when they announced something else to wrestle and all these other shows. They did say that they were going to have like it was it was like Elias Unplugged or something like that, and it was just going to be him in a studio singing songs. Oh, that's brilliant! Or an audience with I want like the Nirvana Unplugged MTV special from back in the nineties, but it's Elias and it's full of just the WWE roster around him. Yeah, and he can just insult each and every one. That sounds great to and me. And then they all hit their finishes on him. <laughs> Send the crowd home happy. Uh, then Baron did, did Corbin. You know, did you know Dave Grohl was nearly not on Nevada Unplugged? Oh really? Yeah. Fun little fact for you because he just hits the drums too hard. And during all the rehearsals, they were like, "Can you hit the drum softer, softer?" And he was like, "No." And so they were rocks got, out too much. It got to the point where they were about to get on stage, and then someone found brushes, and he was like, "Oh, oh cool! I'll just use these then." Nice. Uh, then Baron Corbin walked down, and he sung a duet with Elias, which was "Itsy Bitsy Spider," but it was changed to "Itsy Bitsy Balor." Yes, because you see, Baron Corbin is tall, and Finn Balor is not as tall as Baron Corbin. If you think this sounds familiar, it's not. You haven't seen this feud in the last month. Well, I just, I have sympathy with WWE. You spend a lot of time planning uh, promos in advance. Maybe you've pre-written some of those promos or scripts. You don't want those to go to waste. <laughs> just all that big cast stuff shifted over to Raw. Yeah, he's, well, he's gone now, so no yeah. one's going to remember it. So we could just do it with someone else. Uh, this this was lame, but the content was lame. But I thought Corbin's performance and the way he really got into the awful singing, like yeah. he was bad, and but in the best possible way. Elias 
was great. He had a really, really great song. The crowd were really into it until he said that Boston's rubbish and the Boston crowd did not like it and started chanting F you at him <laughs> in that wonderful accent they have. Harvard. So the, the, the tag match itself, I thought, turned into quite a fun match near the end. Yeah, formulaic, but it was fun by the end. Um, at the end of it, Rude tried to hit the glorious DDT, but Corbin reversed and hit the end of days, and he won. Which makes sense. Smart finish. Corbin faces Balor at the pay-per-view this weekend. Corbin gets the win, but not over Balor. Yeah. So I did see... Um, Dave Mills is not reporting, but he was talking about on Wrestling Observer Radio, I think it was the weekend episode, that um, Bobby Roode was also losing house show matches to Mojo Rawley. Mm. And they were saying, like, I think this would probably tell you what WWE think of Roode at the moment. And that he wonders, he's speculating whether this is going to lead to a Bobby Roode heel turn because WWE's mentality is usually like, well, if we if we turn them heel, everyone will forget all the losses they had previously. So we can actually just beat him like a drum until we do the heel turn and then it will be a, fr- a brand new character. Really hope so. And then they can ineffectively book him as a heel as well. Kevin Owens was backstage again in the in Kurt's office and this is when Braun Strowman shows up and Kurt makes it a steel cage match for Extreme Rules this Sunday. Now, I thought that was a good stipulation because the whole thing's been based on Owens running away yep. and the cage is a way to keep him in yes. with, with Braun. But on the Wrestling Observer radio review, Brian Alvarez was real sniffy about it. Why? And said, oh, what, so the whole point of a cage match where you have to escape the cage... Well, no, because you can pin them in the cage as well. I think he was complaining that it wasn't a Hell in a Cell where he really couldn't escape. They've got a pay-per-view called Hell in a Cell, so you can't do a Hell in a Cell match. I was was confused. I was like, no, but I thought this was logical, but Brian Alvarez is telling me this isn't logical. Well, it's because the original version of a cage match was that you would just pin them inside a cage, and then WWE added in the rule of you can also escape the cage. So I think I can see where Brian is coming from, but at the same time, it, you do have the rule of you can pin them in the cage as well. Yeah, and you can get, you can tell quite an effective story with Owens keep on trying to escape. Strowman drags him back yeah, down. Totally. It makes it harder to escape. You can't deny that. Yeah, I think this is good stuff. But then Braun, again going back into that bully thing, just sprayed air freshener in his face. There was no need for that. Yeah, said, <clears throat> excuse me, that he smells like fear. And then Kurt Angle's had this really stupid guffawing expression on his face poor old Angle's laughing at this poor lad who's just had air freshener like that gets right in your tongue and then uh, that's all you can taste for hours send them both to counselling well yeah I mean we talked about this last week these two would have been so much better in these counselling segments they can both do comedy really well it'd have been so much funnier than Banks and Bailey not doing comedy definitely prefer that style of comedy more for them than the current one. Oh, I know I said yeah. earlier that they don't. They should be in more serious positions, but I think that would work. But if you'd have done that, and then to set these two up as a as a new tag team, like essentially a new version of Team Hell No, it would have been so much better yeah. than doing it with Banks and Bailey. Also, Kurt Angle's like edict on Raw is just like, hey, we settle our differences in the ring, apart from your Bailey and Banks, in which case you settle them in therapy or never or never. Ronda Rousey got a really cool two K nineteen advert next where. It was kind of, it was her prepared, like going into the locker room, putting up her jacket, laying out her ring gear with audio clips of Roddy Piper saying, you know, you've got like motivational stuff. Mm. Really cool. It is really cool. So she's going to be the downloadable character. uh, Pre-order bonus. Right. So yeah, if you pre-order, you get her and Rey Mysterio. Sad she's a pre-order bonus. Mm. But it's just, that's the way video games are nowadays. It's like you have to get a pre-order deluxe super ooper duper edition to get stuff that you don't get in other 
Ooper Duper editions. Then we got a Roman Reigns interview with Brenna Young. He just said stuff about beating Bobby Lashley. But then, <clears throat> at the end, he did sexy, sexy Roman wink to Rene. <laughs> oh, mate, that's the wife of one of your best bros. Exactly. Dean Ambrose return confirmed. He'll yeah. turn. Um, he also said that he respects Bobby's fire, but he's a dog and he will win. He didn't say he was the big dog. He just said, I'm a dog. Well, you know, ask Shinsuke Nakamura who wins that fight. <laughs> Maybe sometimes being a dog is enough. Maybe. So, I, I mean, apart from that opening segment and the Nia Jax Alexa Bliss finish, I, I was pretty down on this episode of Raw. I thought it was pretty lackluster. Nothing was offensively bad, but it was, for, the, for a three-hour show, pretty boring. And a go-home show, no less. Yeah. But then we got this main event of Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre. It had a big time feel right from the outset just because Drew's in the ring. Yeah. And I feel like he doesn't wrestle that much, actually. So when he is in there, it's, oh, God, this is going to get serious. I, I mean, I might be wrong on this, but it doesn't. It might be like his first or second singles match yeah. since coming up. Yeah, because he's been paired with Dolph for so, yeah. for so long. And it was just like I thought they had an excellent match based around both guys characters because yeah. originally i wrote oh it's a great big man versus small man match but that isn't what it is because seth rollins is not a small man it's a big man versus not so big man match and it was all based around drew just being so confident but being able to back up his confidence yeah and he was using his strength yeah and the whole point was that and the commentators actually did a really good job of putting this over is that seth needs to use his speed mm. But Seth couldn't use his speed because every time he tried, Drew shut it down by using strength. It was a really well-told story. And I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, from the start as well, it wasn't a typical babyface heel thing. When Drew powered Seth into the corner because he's so much stronger, Drew let Rollins come out. Oh, it was so great. Like, even with like a, you know, yeah. a gesturing to be like, let's try it again. So it was like, it wasn't, it was sportsmanship, but it wasn't, really nice let's have a, a fair match here it was nah I'm much better than you yeah. already and uh, just some of the spots in this were really cool Drew catching Seth off a dive and doing a sort of gut wrench suplex mm -hmm. onto the apron hardest part of the ring huge belly to belly on Seth at one point across the ring there was the I think the best moment was when Drew's in the tree of woe and he crunches up to get Seth on the top rope and throws Seth across the ring. It was wicked. It was really good stuff. And like Seth did the high fly flow, and you hit a buckle bomb on Drew, which was really impressive. And then at the the end, um, Dolph tries to get into the ring. Seth gives him the stomp, but turns around into a big old claymore from Drew. And Drew McIntyre wins. He pins yeah. Seth Rollins. This loss doesn't hurt Rollins going into Extreme Rules because it was Dolph that caused the interference, and it makes it gives Drew a really big win. Yeah over an established guy and Drew looked awesome in the process and Drew gets to be at ringside for the match at Sunday which just keeps this whole little trifecta of a feud going yeah and I thought and it builds up Dolph's character as someone who's going to cheat to to win or, or get an advantage at least for the match everyone's characters were well served everyone feels better coming out of it and it was a bloody good match as well yeah I really really enjoyed it it actually gave me a much higher opinion of Raw coming out of it because it's how you leave them, folks. And yeah. this left me with actually a pretty big smile on my face. And it was only until we started recapping it here that I was like, God, there was a lot of dross on this show. Mm. Well, one of the things after that match was done, I was like, God, if you didn't know, if you didn't keep up with the day-to-day -day WWE 
and you just watch this episode, you'd you'd think that Seth Rollins was the top star. <laughs> yeah. He he's like the Stone Cold or the Rock at the moment in wrestling mm. because of the crowd reactions of the performance in this match of the positioning of him being in the main event and getting that ring promo earlier. Yeah, and it's just like that's what actually should be happening. He should be the guy going against Brock Lesnar. Yeah, I mean, yeah, mate, you're preaching to the choir. Absolutely, yeah. you're preaching to the choir. Uh, so overall, I think we're both agreed. It was although the the bookends were really good, everything in the middle really dragged it down. Just because it was it was quite boring, I found. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but what well, great great main event. Did you say did you give it a? Uh, a pour? I gave it a poor overall. Yeah, a poor two out of five. Two out of five. Yeah. So I'd I'd pretty much agree with that. Someone asked me on Twitter and I said I was tempted to bump it up to average just because I like the main events, but really that was more or less it. And I really like the pull apart brawl, as you said, the bookends. Um, and it's a three hour show, and it's a go home show. So yeah, I think that would take it down to a, a bore for me too. Well, that's all we've got a time for rather. today. Unless you want to keep talking. No, I'm good. Would you like to hear some correspondence? Would I? I'd might. I, I want to say I missed. It was only a week away, but I've missed the pod swafters. Yeah, I've I've missed doing this as well. I really enjoy. I, I think I might have said this before, or at least I've said it to some people. I don't know if I've said this to you. If I was not a WrestleTalk employee, I would listen to the podcast rather than watch the channels. I would be a podswafter. Because mm. I think this is the most fun version of what we do. This is the most relaxed, laid-back thing. And so I didn't tell you this. The Saturday before I went on the quest, um, there was a New Japan show in Milton Keynes that WrestleTalk had a presence at. You couldn't be there because you were at a wedding. I was at our Sean's wedding. Uh, and, but I was... And I feel like loads of people came up to us and were like, you know, love the show, yada, yada, yada. Uh, get rid of Luke was, mm-hmm. a, was common feedback. Yeah, yeah. And I had a lot of people get to me on Twitter to have a go at me because I wasn't there because they wanted to tell me that I should quit. Yeah, see. Yeah, see, yeah you're letting people down I know. in so many ways. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I feel like I could tell who were the pod swafters oh. and who were the YouTube viewers mm, and nice. who were the patrons. Mostly because the patrons told me. Yeah. Like, that was in the introduction. I give you money! I'm a pledgehammer. Thank you very much. Uh, but yeah, the, the wrestle talk, the, the pod swafters were, were generally really, really thankful because mm-hmm. I guess they listened to us more and were in their ears. Yeah. Yeah. Right in their heads. Well, that has been nice, though. Yeah, it was nice. I was a bit, I was guessed that I couldn't go, but um, I, you know, I had to go to a wedding, and the wedding was very nice. We had a very nice day. Well, wrestling MediaCom in September. Oh, That's our next appearance. Our next live date, September eighth. Go and check out the links. <laughs> go to the links. Oh, what a what a shillman you are. There's some links somewhere. Surely, uh, sure, surely. Google uh, it. Yeah, Google Don't it. Don't me do the work. But wrestling MediaCom 2018. Google. I um I saw an, a thing actually earlier on Twitter that really made me laugh. It was someone posting up a video from 2014 of um, Louis Walsh and Mel B on I think it's like the One Show or something like that. It's like a an evening time show, and Louis Walsh is just very candidly and very just offhandedly patting Mel B on the butt, huh? Which is not cool because and she made a comment of it. She said she felt uncomfortable and she slid she slides away from him. And then there's lots of people in the comments about this pointing out it's just like, well, God, Louis Walsh is very embarrassed and that was very unfair of Melby to do that sort of thing. So there's a lot of that kind of nonsense on Twitter. But the, the interaction that made me laugh the most was when people goes like, is this real? I want to be able to see if this is real. Like, how can I tell this is real? And someone said, Google it. 
And he's like, what do I Google? And the, the person replied was just like, with a screen cap of Google, it's like, literally their names. It's the first result. I mean, it's, it is complicated. But I'm, yeah, I'm hoping the Podswafters, they can Google an event name. Yeah, exactly. And it's WrestlingMediaCon. I'm putting my trust in you, Podswafters. <laughs> I mean, it's WrestlingMediaCon.com. I'll, I'll do the, the hard work for it. I'll do Great. the heavy lifting. Um, but some correspondence. Yes, back, back yes. onto this. So first up here, we've got one from Robert Stanley, who has got... A Wrestle Talk Get Better update. Ooh. Uh, this email was sent to her the day of Money in the Bank. So, um, a little, God, while, that was a while, a little okay. while ago. Uh, anyway, when the Wrestle Talk Get Better was mentioned a while ago, it was also mentioned to possibly give an update every pay per view, which we didn't do. Maybe we'll do one after Extreme Rules. I uh, forgot about that. Robert Stanley is down at £10 to £220. I hope you two are progressing or maintaining the way you want. Please up the, please keep up the consistently great work. I hope El Fakador is keeping you two safe, Robbie Stanley. Well, thank you very much, Robbie Stanley, oh, for the email. great but stuff, congratulations Rob. to you, sir. £10. That is good. I mean, you'll be at 205 Live in about a month and a half. <laughs> he's not far off it. Absolutely, he's not far off it. So... My, my, my own weight increased... Well, because of the past, because of the, the past, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I, I suppose I could give you an option because we went a bit long with you telling stories about your trips. We have got a lot of correspondence to get through. I'll be honest with you, but I've got an agony art. Uh, I've got another wrestle talk. Get better. I've got a wrestling encounter, and oh, give it its correct name. Oh, a Rusev Hay. Rusev got, Hay. I've got a Rusev Hay, and I think I've got a poetry corner. Okay, so that's all the features. That is all the features, but which one would you like? Now, I don't want to sway you, but one of the poetry corners is from Real Dan's Dan. Oh, well, in the spirit of a bridesmaid, I'm going to go wrestle talk, get better. <laughs> so this is from Adam Emond. Uh, I really get to uh, show you this look. Oh, it's, it's actually, it's just a screen cap of his phone suggesting that Queer Eye is on Netflix. So it's actually not a Russell Talk here. But this is what happens when you don't actually read the emails. You're just doing the subject lines, Luke. Well, you'd th- like that says to me that that would be a Russell Talk get better. Queer Eye is great, though. Queer Eye is great. You've, you've finished the second season yeah. now, haven't you? So, in fact, I'm going to give you a Agony Arts from a regular emailer in who leaves comments as well. Jumping the Smark. Yes. Great so, name. Great name. Hey, Luke and Ollie, I would like some relationship advice. Ooh. For context, I have just graduated my junior year in high school. I don't know what that yeah, means. Yeah, what is that? Right. Do some High quick... school. How old is So college junior is uni, I think. In high school. Listeners, take note of this. This is called a Google. Students are typically between 16 and 17 years of age, depending on the country and student's birthday. Okay, so sixth form. Or what we call college, and then you go to university. But Americans seem to merge college and university as one. Yeah, mine was sixth form, because I did not go to college. Yeah, same. Uh, I opted to go to sixth form. My friend went to college, and he flunked it. Um, Anyway, about midway through last school year, I developed a crush on a girl in my class. Ooh, I had known her at that point for crush. about a for, I'd known her for a, at that point for about a year. And while we didn't hang out, we definitely were friendly. She's cute, smart, and she's a and has a great sense of humor. 
At the time, I was scared to ask her out, so I never did. This year, I transferred school, so I rarely see her now. In hindsight, though, she clearly liked me. I still have feelings for her, but I don't know if she remembers me, much less has feelings for me. Mm. Should I at least give her a text or call, or would that be dumb slash weird? Sincerely, Jumping T-Smark. Oh, that's a tough one. Mm. Well, it's interesting as well, because you say, in in hindsight, she had feelings for you, or she liked you, but then you mention later on you're not sure if she does have feelings for you so yeah it's hard to really judge what you should do in this situation because you probably like her are giving mixed messages yeah and maybe like a year later you think yeah no she would no man no she was into me totally right? into me, yeah, totally. yeah she said all those things definitely into me uh plus if it's been a year i wouldn't advise a sudden text because mm. that that implies and if you well if you do it should be around 3 a.m on a on a weekday because <laughs> that's somehow a bit more weird because you should be preparing for work yeah uh, or school it, it could it could just be a drunken thing if it was at a weekend mm. but no a tuesday 3 a.m message that's a whole level of creep I'm not going to suggest you take Ollie's advice there because that advice is terrible. But if you do want to like get in touch again, maybe like, uh, uh, do you know her circle of friends? Like, could you sort of like, you know, are you friendly with other people's friends? Can you sort of like integrate back into a friendship circle that she is a part of? And that way, then you can kind of like start because I mean, although he's transferred schools, I don't know if he's moved far away. Mm. Like if you've moved to another town or another state, that does cause problematic issues. I mean, it's 2018; it's a different kind of world. But that's that's harder to do. It's harder to do my advice if you've moved cities. Yeah, because then it becomes a whole long distance thing. Uh, another idea that popped into my head: maybe you do it romantically, like you you create yourself as a secret admirer. Now, my idea to do this is to, to to disguise your handwriting. <laughs> so what I what I want you to do is maybe cut out letters from magazines <laughs> and write a nice romantic message. Like you know like I can't wait to smell your hair. Mm-hmm. Uh I will find you. You know just cuz that's romantic. That's like confident. Yep. Uh you know you can't run yep. because you can't run from my love. Yep. Um, another really good thing to add into that is to find like a preferably her Facebook profile picture because that's oh, something that's you can good. access but burn the eyes out with cigarettes <laughs> yes <laughs> yes. because like I see you and, then, <laughs> and put mirrors just, behind the, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. And just keep writing I see you I see you because that is an avatar reference that's for love right I see you yeah, yeah actually yeah just don't write anything else just I see you I see you I see you in um, and if you don't have like uh, the magazines to do that like maybe just a red pen a red very what's the word viscous viscous liquidy pen mm-hmm. uh, yeah and then the, the Facebook profile picture yeah. is a really good idea and uh, blow your nose and put that into the envelope as well because um, I mean she might think it's something else but I don't think she will yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll I, I think we've I think we've solved that, <laughs> solved that issue <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness if you are within the same town and, and you want to try and get romantically involved Friendship groups are the best way to do it. I think what you need to do is start again from the bottom. You know, you need to rebuild this friendship and then work your way up to it. Don't don't go straight in with. Granted, he, he did send this a while ago, so he might have already like you know done this. You want long term booking? 
that's exactly it. Long-term booking. Yeah, but send in some more details because it, it sounds uh, kind of mixed. Yes. Yeah. So um, I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there. Um, fun fact for you, peeling behind the curtains. Ollie's put me in charge of the timing <laughs> of the intros and outros now. And although he's put me in charge of this, he's like, you know, you're going to... It's 10 minutes for the intro, 10 minutes for the outro. <laughs> Keep an eye on things. So I brought my phone in to do a timer. He set, he set his own little timer there as well. Still got my own just, timer. Just in case... <laughs> Just in case I'm ignoring it and I'm just going to pretend. You get carried away. I know. You love the, you love the, the correspondence. I do love correspondence. And That's we've got... all I'm there. I'm just here to, to catch you if you fall, buddy. Oh, we've got so much of it that we do need to get through. Uh, so we've got some wrestle, uh, wrestling encounters, some Rusev Hayes next time. Um, I've got one here. We've got um, one that's called Backstage with Eric Young. I've got a meeting with Keith Lee. Got lots of uh, Rosev Hayes coming up in tomorrow's episode, uh, but also a trip into Poetry Corner mm. and the SmackDown review, obviously things like that. The, the boring part. The boring part. Yeah, we're also going to have a bonus episode this week because holy hot damn, it is a pay per view week. There is a pay per view this Sunday if you forgot watching Raw. But it's going to be Extreme Rules, and we're going to be doing a prediction show on Friday as a bonus podcast for you. And we'll probably. I haven't quite figured out how we're going to do it yet, but tag on El Fakador's predictions at the end as a big chunk. Mm-hmm. It's going to sound it's terrible. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll work it out. I'm still pushing that we try and find a way for all three of us to get into this room. I think that will ruin the dynamic, and certain commenters will be furious. Oh, so much change! Changed the oh, no! No, I think we, we do it as normal, and then Fakador does his own video. And we can upload that separately in front of the green screen. Oh, because you want to get more hits, right? It does mean that there'll be more views over it. (laughs) (laughs) We can see how he is as a draw. You mad genius, you. But anyway, we'll see you tomorrow. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.